0: Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's coming up on the podcast today. Don't call it a lockdown. It's not a lockdown. Whatever the Premier of Ontario has planned for Friday, it's not going to be a lockdown. I'll tell you why. Plus, British Columbia is saying travel restrictions. Are we not going to be able to travel to beautiful British Columbia anymore? That's coming up. Let's get to it. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit tired of having a finger wagged in my face. I'm a little bit tired of politicians and health leaders telling me that I need to do better. I, think, I understand that we all need to pull together and collectively do better to try and stamp down this second wave, this surge of coronavirus. But are you like me? And after eight months... Of being told that it's up to me. That it's up to us. Then I'm getting to a point where it's like, you know what? How about you? If you're a regular listener to this radio program, thank you so kindly. You know that I speak a lot about communication and muddied communication and what it means for us. What it means for us, the great unwashed Well, some of us less washed than others. The great masses, the great huddled masses out there, it's up to us. Are we doing the right thing? Doug Ford came out swinging on Wednesday, dressed in a black suit. He looked angry. And he went at it again about enough is enough. Coming this week, coming Friday, some new measures. What they are? Are they restrictions? Is it a lockdown? What is it? We don't know. It's coming, though. It's coming because you're not doing what you're supposed to. Let's look at those numbers. 1,210 cases, testing 41,000, pending 44,000. Here's your key numbers, really, though, here. Their ICU numbers are up 19. The province has it at 146, but the Ontario Hospital Association says that the mark is actually over 150 now. That is significant because we know that once we go over 150 in the ICUs, it begins to have an impact on scheduled surgeries. So we see that number gaining steadily day by day. So if we're at 150 now, we're going to be well over it in the next couple of weeks our ventilators up 10 deaths up 28 so far this month alone this month alone 307 people in the province of Ontario have died because of COVID-19 so it's serious we know it's serious and what do we get from our provincial government what do we get from all of our leaders really you know we get a one dose of kumbaya, we're all in it together, gather around. And then we also get the finger wag, don't we? And I think we need to stop with this fiction, this fiction that we tell each other about, oh, we're heading for a lockdown on Friday. It'll be just like the spring when we had a lockdown in the spring. Remember that lockdown? Lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. You know what? We've never had a lockdown. If you think that this province, even at the beginning of the pandemic in the spring when everything was shut down, if you think this province has experienced a lockdown, then you're not paying attention to what happened in other parts of the world. You're not paying attention to what's going on right now in France, in Germany, in the low countries, in bits of Europe that have managed to flatten the curve. It looks like the worst part of the second wave might be passed, and that's a might, might be passing. In Europe. And what did they do? I mean, they locked people down. In some parts of Europe, what they have said is, you know, in this area, in this particular section of the city or of the country where the per, uh, percent positivity is super high, guess what? You don't get to leave your apartment other than to go to the store and you've got to be able to register for it in advance. You've got you got to have a note, something. That's a lockdown, folks. We're nowhere, nowhere near it. But instead, what we get is the finger in the face from Doug Ford. Guys,
1: get it together, because we're at a critical stage. And I'm just, I'm at my brink to say enough. So be prepared on Friday. Then you can look at each other and say, why are we in this position?
0: It's it's frustrating. We have to start listening. No more parties. No more nothing. No more parties. No more nothing. Guys, get it together. Don't do anything except for Casino Rama is expected to open in the next ten days. Hey! Now, Casino Rama will, if it does open, will be limited by invitation only. Hey, where's my invite? No table games. No food, no beverage service, no sitting at the crabs table, getting the free bevvies. Somebody blowing on your dice. Excuse me? Uh, The number of patrons will be capped to 50 at a time. Everyone inside will have to wear masks, so on and so forth. So one hand waves the finger. No more nothing. No more parties. No, no, nothing. Don't do anything. Anybody want to go to the mall? Because I'm on my way to the mall. You know what 100% I'm actually going to do after the radio show today? I'm going to the gym. I am going to my gym. Because it's open. Because under the new rules that were announced, sure, you can't have fitness classes. You know, I'm going to miss my jazzercise class. Because I am, I don't know if you know this, but I am an accomplished jazzerciser. Got I got the jazz hands. me? Yeah. Yeah, Doug. You should see my jazz hands. So that's open. The gym, not the jazz class. Because they're able to keep it under the 10-person threshold. I don't know how they do it. But anyway, it's open. I'm gone. I'm, I'm gone. It's open. I'm, maybe the recommendation is that I shouldn't. Well, you should do better. You, sir, you're a bad citizen. I'm sorry, I'm going to lift weights. Because I do have a feeling that maybe that might be one of the things that the Ford government announces on Friday when finally they get around to doing something, because it's not like we haven't seen the second wave. It's not like it hasn't been weeks and weeks and weeks of the numbers going up, 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 up. So I ask you, is there anything more to this than an empty threat from Doug Ford? I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done with people holding parties, having get-togethers, you know. and, and unfortunately, every, everyone in those regions uh, have to hunker down. They, they end up paying the price because careless people out there holding these parties. It, it just, it's not going to be tolerated. we got to protect the, the health and safety of people. It's not going to be tolerated. What does that mean, it's not going to be tolerated? Because I've heard that before. I've heard that before from Doug Ford, I've heard it before from John Tory. What does that mean? I mean, unless there's a you know, unless there's somebody out there handing out a ticket. And I know that is happening in some places. Remember the hundred odd people that showed up into a storage locker in North Etobicoke. Police showed up, handed out fines. But it's pretty clear that we're gonna need more than finger wagging. And I ask you, as we move towards Friday and some kind of announcement, and I'm telling you right now, you can take this to the bank. It will not be a lockdown. Oh, we might call it a lockdown. Oh, it's a lockdown. Oh, I can't get my nails done. Lockdown. That's not what's going to happen. It'll be more tinkering around the edges and more finger wagging. And let's keep an, an eye on the timeline here. Because it was a week ago today, seven days ago, that we got that absolutely jaw-dropping COVID modeling numbers from the province where the doctors said, on our current trajectory, we are over probably 6,500 cases a day. 400 in the ICUs. We're at 150 now. 400 in the ICUs means ain't know-how No way we're doing scheduled surgeries. So we're on our way there. And we learned this seven days ago. And when the guy, the doctor, the health official who was doing the modeling, Dr. Adelstein Brown, who's kind of the number two, I would say, at the provincial health table, although who knows? Because they won't tell us. All we know is Dr. David Williams is the guy in charge. And when Dr. Brown was asked point blank seven days ago, "What needs to happen?" Listen to the question and the answer.
1: Do you believe that there should be some form of greater restrictions put in place in some of the hotspots in in the province?
0: If the uh, you know as he let off, if the goal is to reduce the number of cases and the goal is to reduce the impact on the health system, then yes. And with that, the good doctor dropped the mic and walked out of the room. And a week ago yesterday, the province did move a number of areas into red. It had changed a couple of the things, but nothing changed in Toronto. And yesterday, when asked about the surging case numbers in Toronto, the mayor of Toronto said... Time is of the essence. The time to act is now. Or possibly Friday. You know, whatever comes first. So we're all waiting for Doug Ford. Of course, he'll be up again today at 1 o'clock, the Doug show, where he tells us uh, he's being transparent because he hosts a, you know afternoon TV show in which he doesn't actually answer questions. But I'm being transparent because here I am on TV. And the evidence shows that this finger wagging and this moralizing and guys, come on, it's not working. We need more. And I'm telling you right now that what happens tomorrow, whatever the province, whatever the province announces, you're going to hear the word lockdown. Don't believe it for a second. Not unless it really is a lockdown with some teeth, with some enforcement. Because the finger wagging ain't working. Here's one thing to notice about the Dofo Show. If you ever tune into the Dofo Show, fo Show, uh, is that when he goes on the road, he goes on the road to various places in the province, uh, and then he brings up the local MPP. Oh, come on up here, local a uh, representative to talk about how fabulous whatever it is I just said. And, of course, the local MPP is always, of course, a progressive conservative. Shocker. Uh, and last week, uh, Doug Ford was in Hamilton. He was in Hamilton making an announcement about shipbuilding. And he's like, here's the local MPP, and brings up Jane McKenna, who is a PC MPP for Flamborough. And he's not even in her writing. He's in Andrea Horvath's writing. And, of course, Andrea Horvath's not going to show up there with him and do the press conference. That's not my point. But my point is that if you think the DOFO show is anything other than a campaign announcement, then you're kidding yourself because that's what it is. And the thing that Doug is not going to be asked DOFO show, DOFO show, no question about it today, I don't think, but there should be, is about the Charles McVitie affair. Charles McVitie, by way of background, Charles McVitie is an evangelist, a Christian leader, controversial figure, and he is head of something called the Canada Christian College. And what the provincial government has done is in an omnibus bill that's supposed to deal with red tape dealing with the pandemic, right in there, hidden away in a certain schedule. Let me take that back. It's not hidden away it's in there. To say it's hidden, you just got to read it. It's right there. So I take that back. But right in there is a section, a schedule, which it is called, that would allow Canada Christian College to grant degrees. For example, you could get, if this thing goes through, a degree in science from Charles McVitie's Canada Christian College. Charles McVitie believes the world is 6,000 years old. And you can get a degree from science from this guy? Now, part of the controversy is that Charles McVitie is a friend and political ally of Doug Ford. And today, in the House, the NDP says it has evidence that Doug Ford used space at Canada Christian College during his run for the PC leadership, but didn't declare it on his campaign financial returns as required. And the NDP is asking for Elections Ontario to look into that. Keep in mind that Doug Ford wins the leadership of the Ontario PC party extremely narrowly, just by a whisker. And he does so with support from Charles McVitie. And here it is. He's, Potentially using Canada Christian College. And so you think, is this a quid pro quo here? So, as I said, the government has introduced this bill that would extend degree-granting powers to Canada Christian College, which is seen as being a reward for Doug Ford's friend and political ally, the government says, hold on, before we get carried away here, uh, we, we have an independent process. This is something called the PCAB. This is an independent body. And PCAB, I'm not going to bore you with what it stands for, but I got some on my shirt. I got PCAB all over me. But PCAB, basically, it is an independent body that assesses the application from schools to be able to become degree-granting institutions. And the Tories say, look, we're not going to declare, we're not going to make this bill into law until that independent process is complete. And, of course, this, this raises the question, well, then, why is it in this bill in the first place? It looks like a payoff. It stinks. And Charles McVitie is a man with odious views. In the House today, more pressure on the government from the former Premier Kathleen Wynne, who you may know is not running again. But Kathleen Wynne, regardless of what you think about her politics, she has a unique perspective here. First woman Premier, first openly gay Premier. So, Kathleen Wynne asked the government again today, please, disavow yourself from Charles McVitie.
1: Just last week.
0: And here is the response to that question from Ross Romano, who is the minister in charge.
1: Just last week, I uh, responded to uh, the member opposite, and uh, we discussed the importance of independent processes. We discussed the importance of not interfering with processes, much like the member presided over a government who did on a regular and consistent basis, Mr. Speaker. There were numerous scandals.
0: What possible point does that have to do with it? Okay, fine, there were numerous scandals under the Win administration. Sure, 100%, no question asked. I don't recall them elevating an Islamophobe and a homophobe. And the government keeps saying, oh, there's an independent process. Oh, we're just going to wait for this PCAB thing to come back. And here, you can almost hear now, you can almost hear here, the squirming of the conservative members on the conservative side as they just think, oh, God, this really does not look good as Kathleen Wynne goes on the attack.
1: As I have said in this house a number of times, I am not talking about the PCAB process, Mr. Speaker. I am talking about the legislation that has been brought in by this government that, in fact, protects a bigot, Charles McVitie is a homophobe,
0: he's a transphobe, and he's an Islamophobe, Mr. Speaker.
1: That is what I'm talking about. I know that the the minister is going to continue to hide behind the PCAB process, but that is beside the point, and he knows it.
0: That is Kathleen Wynne in the House this morning. The government knows that hiding behind this independent process is a sham. What has What is the government doing putting its name beside Charles McVitie in the first place? And this brings me to what I think is, at the same time, one of the premier's great qualities and also one of his great detriments. Doug Ford is a loyal guy. It's no question about it. If you're in his corner once, you're in his corner forever. And that loyalty inspires loyalty of others. And you can see that within the conservative caucus, even though they are uncomfortable. You don't hear any of them speaking out. But we have seen this, have we not, since Doug Ford took power? Whether it was Ron Tavner, trying to put in Ron Tavner as the head of the OPP, that blew up in his face. You could say, well, that was just misguided loyalty. Dr. Williams, for example, the medical officer of health, it has been pretty clear to anybody paying any attention that Dr. Williams has absolutely lost the confidence of the wider medical community. In this province, including local public officers of health who are under a non-disclosure agreement, they cannot talk about it. They can't talk about what advice they are giving Dr. Williams that he is potentially ignoring. And Doug Ford loyally sticks by his guy. And you have to ask yourself, is that wise? And here comes Charles McVitie a friend, an ally, somebody in Doug Ford's corner, and the Premier refuses to see what's going on, the wider picture, which is what are you doing associating yourself and your government with that man? Loyalty can be a positive attribute, but for politicians... It can only go so far. The public good has to come first, and that's what Doug Ford needs to do. In British Columbia, residents there are waiting for their Premier, John Horgan, to make an announcement about travel restrictions. And not only travel restrictions within British Columbia itself, so perhaps, you know, if you live in Vancouver, you can't go to other portions of the province, but also a call for travel restrictions to be put in place. For Canadians in other parts of the country. So if you're like me and you have been dreaming of British Columbia powder and maybe getting out to the Rockies and, uh, you know, hitting the interior or Whistler or what have you, well, maybe that is not going to be available. To you, Because John Horgan says, you folks on the other side of the Continental Divide, you should just stay right where you are. And it's not just the powder seekers. It is also the snowbirds in Ontario and Quebec who are saying, well, if I can't go to Florida, maybe I'll just winter in Victoria. It's a nice area. It's lovely there. You know who else lives there? Richard Zussman, who is the reporter for Global BC. Hey Richard.
1: Hey Al, how are you?
0: I'm good. What's it like there in BC in Victoria right
1: now? <laughs> uh, it's probably eight degrees and sunny. I just walked the kids to school and it was perfect. But it's funny. You mentioned the skiing. When I tweeted yesterday that uh, the province was looking at restricting non-essential travel, I got more emails about going to Whistler than I did <laughs> about any other subject. And, and you know, it's ski season, and this is this this is mainly from British Columbians who are worried that the measures that are going to be put in place at three o'clock this afternoon are going to say, you can't travel up to Whistler, you can't go to Mount Washington, you can't go to Silver Star, you know, the great ski resorts in the province. And, you know, we're still waiting for clarity. It was funny because you mentioned you don't expect much from Doug Ford's press conference because a big announcement's coming on Friday. Well, yesterday... We weren't expecting a whole lot from John Horgan's press conference because a big announcement is coming today, and then all of a sudden he announced that he wants the Prime Minister to ban non-essential travel in every province in the country. So, so you know, you sometimes get a bit of a surprise from your Premier when you're not expecting it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, we have a lot of surprises like that from <laughs> Doug Ford over the last couple of months. Let's start with internal uh, travel first, and then and then move to, I think, what will yeah. be more interesting to audience, which is potentially being able to travel to British british columbia from ontario but in terms of internal travel any kind of uh, shading or hedging at all from the premier about what that would look like
1: yeah so we expect a full ban on non-essential travel inside of british columbia but what that looks like is unclear like we don't know yet whether it's just a recommendation that people not travel outside of either their health authority, which in BC in some regions is very large or travel outside of their city. And in a place like Metro Vancouver, like Toronto that's interconnected, if you're traveling from the suburbs into the city for work, which is essential travel, you know, what options do you have when you return home? Can you stop and go shopping or can you stop and go for a walk? Is that considered, part of the essential travel you're doing? All of these questions will be answered at three o'clock. There is no doubt going to be a lot of confusion about how all of this works. And, you know, BC's approach all along has been put in recommendations that people follow in order to cut down the spread of the virus, but be very relaxed on the actual enforcement. And so we'll have to wait and see what is included in the recommendation around not traveling. You know, there's even talk about creating a bubble on Vancouver Island. It's something Premier Horgan yesterday said he's not particularly interested in. But there's been these discussions about whether should we be closing down geographic areas, shutting down travel in and out. It's obviously layered and complicated, and we'll get those details at three. But I think what they're leaning towards is this encouragement that you do not travel unless it's for a medical appointment or work or school or something else, that's deemed essential by the government, that, that you just don't travel outside of those uh, situations.
0: You see, that, that to me, to my mind, that's not a lockdown. Like Anytime there's a recommendation, like there's been a lot of recommendations. Like, And again, they just throw it sort of back onto us as citizens. Like, you know what? We're going to shame you. We're, we're going to harumph and put our uh, hands on our hips about this, but there's no real enforcement to say this is what you can and cannot do.
1: In the one place where there has been an order here is a ban on social gatherings. And there are enforcement tools there. The challenge is it's very hard to enforce. So legally right now in Metro Vancouver, you are not allowed to go into someone else's household for a social gathering. But one of the challenges with that is that there are other situations where you can go into someone else's home. Let's say it's a home daycare or that home is that of your accountant and you need to do essential work. You know, there are situations and it, and it complicates things. What the province is trying to do, and I know this is happening in every jurisdiction of the country, Ontario and Toronto included, is they are trying to restrict people from gathering together in enclosed spaces where they are eating and drinking and sharing and hugging, because that's where we know the virus is spreading. And once it spreads in these environments, we saw... One event in Vancouver, somebody from that event came over to Vancouver Island in Nanaimo, a little bit up island from where I am. They went to a gathering there, and all of a sudden, there's an outbreak in Nanaimo. So we know the virus spreads quickly. That's what the province is trying to address, is cracking down and restricting those social gatherings. And then, by extension, they have these uh, recommendations, but we don't expect they're going to close restaurants. We don't expect they're going to close schools. We expect that workplaces will continue under... You know, the regulations of an organization called Worksafe BC that oversees the work uh, policies in place. And so, you know, the, but we we could also be surprised that there could be some tighter required restrictions that Dr. Bonnie Henry and our health minister, Adrian Dix, announced at three o'clock our time. So uh, in about uh, five hours time.
0: Uh, Let's talk about the potential of some kind of travel ban for Canadians from other parts of the country. I found it really interesting that Horgan would appeal to the prime minister on this. Uh, The reaction from a lot of people was, uh, I didn't see the maritime provinces or premiers asking the prime minister for permission. They just did it. So why doesn't just John Horgan just do it?
1: Yeah, and a lot of what I'm hearing is stay in your lane, right? It's like our as Canadians, we have the right to travel across our country, and there are some really substantial constitutional challenges. And one of the major issues in British Columbia is the border with Alberta. There are so many people who travel for essential work and for health treatments across that border that the there are communities that are up and along the Rockies that are much. Close or more closely connected to Alberta than they are to Vancouver or to Victoria. And so that's a huge challenge. And what Horgan was saying in a, in a not particularly specific way was it needs to be about encouraging. The prime minister should talk to premiers about speaking to their citizens around an obligation of just keeping within your own boundaries and non-essential travel. And, and these recommendations in some cases have worked, but in a lot of cases have not worked. So it's not about British Columbia putting in and again, this could change at three o'clock. There could be some sort of policy around restricting, but it's very challenging in Canada in order to do that. And BC has shown that they're not particularly interested in establishing or enforcing a 14-day quarantine like we saw in the like we see in the Atlantic bubble. So it's really about Horgan trying to send a message of this unity that we're all in this together and every province should be focused on keeping residents in their own province at home and safe. But again, there's different uh, political strategies being used by every premier and there's different uh, health advice being provided by not just our top medical health officials in the country, but also province-wide. So it becomes complicated when you're you know, sharing your own advice you want to do in your province with other provinces that have different geographical or, or different, you know, issues, you know, obviously in Ontario and Quebec, the flow between Ottawa and, and Gatineau is is so complicated that, you know, they've had challenges there as well. So I think what Horgan is trying to do is, is plead with people to minimize their travel without actually putting any real teeth in a policy that would ban people from traveling to British Columbia. So what that means for somebody in Toronto that's thinking about You know, bringing their RV out here and living in British Columbia for the winter, that's unclear. I know there's new rules in place for RV homes here, and there are some strict guidelines around that now that were just put in place a few weeks ago to try to deal preemptively with what could potentially be a surge of snowbirds, but we just don't know how they would be treated if if people start coming and deciding they want to live here for the winter.
0: I've only got a couple of seconds left, but should I just forget about... The dream I have of going to Kimberley early in January to go snowboarding, so I just forget that?
1: I don't think we should forget any of our dreams yet, Alan, but I don't (laughs) think... Horgan made it very clear that until there's a vaccine, he does not encourage people to come to British Columbia, and he can guarantee the snow will be there in the winter of twenty. 2021-2022. 21,
0: 2022 All right. thank, thank you. That is uh, Richard Sussman. Don't forget your dreams, <laughs> Richard Sussman from British Columbia with Global <laughs> News. That is the podcast for today. Don't forget, the Alan Carter Show, weekdays starting at noon.